This is Rich Phipps, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Collective Church. Welcome to our podcast. Whether you're a part of our local church family or a part of our online community, we're so glad that you're here. Enjoy the message. Hey, so um, welcome in. With you. If you're new here, we're super glad you're here. If you're not new here, we're super glad you're here. If you're part of our online family, we're super glad that you are joining us online this morning. And this is a great time to be um, joining Grace Collective right now because we are starting today our brand new summer series called This is the Gospel. And if the gospel, the word gospel, the idea of gospel is new to you, it simply is a word that means good news or good message. The word gospel, we've studied this the last couple of weeks, comes from a Greek word, euangelion, meaning good news or good message. And it was a general term. It actually was like any good news you got. Hey, I graduated. Man, that's gospel. That was what it meant. And then Jesus came, right? And when we began to use, um, we had to find a word to somehow wrap around the events of Jesus' life, especially his crucifixion and resurrection, that the only word we could think of was gospel. Like, that is such good, that is the good news of all good news. And so it took on a whole new meaning. It elevated its meaning. It became something more powerful, something more holy. So now we talk about the good news or gospel of Jesus. And it just means this, that God loves you. That he loves you so much that even though, like you and I both, like we rebel and screw up and screw up and screw up over and over again, but God doesn't give up on us. In fact, he keeps showing up on us. He keeps he's coming into our lives like he did when he came in the form of a man named Jesus. And he lived his life showing us who he is and who we can be. And then he died. He was crucified and buried dead. But on the third day, he didn't stay dead. He came back to life. And being raised again showed us he is victory even over death. And he invites us, if, if you want it, you can have it. It's an invitation to you into eternal life with him. It's this new life that starts here but lasts forever. And that's good news. Like all of your sin, all of your worry, all of your anxiety, all of your fear, all of your guilt, all of your shame, all of that, he takes that so you can start brand new. And that is good news. So that's why we call it the good news or the gospel of Jesus. So we're going to be talking about that all summer, the gospel or the good news of Jesus. But what I love, one thing I love about the gospel, I love the fact that the word gospel begins with go, right? G-O. Because the gospel is not, the gospel is not sedentary. The gospel, the gospel is energy and it's movement and there's action. And, and because of that, because the gospel is, is not inactive or it's not unmotivated, because the gospel is not safe, it's, it's, it's meant movement and energy and risky. Because of that, we're starting this whole summer series with four weeks on the subject of prayer. And some of you are like, wait a minute, you just kind of lost me. Like, what does prayer have to do with the gospel? And my answer to you is everything. Oh my gosh, the gospel and prayer cannot be separated. Because the gospel is so risky and so meaningful, and so powerful that we have to, we have to engage ourselves in, in prayer. Um, let me just see if this helps, because I want to transform our thinking today from what we believe about prayer to what prayer actually is, how God presents it to us. And I'm going to start with a little story from my childhood when I was in elementary school. So when I was in elementary school, I, I played on our basketball team. I can only go to elementary school because I wasn't good enough to ever play for any team after that, right? So in elementary school, I, I loved to play basketball. I was just barely good enough to be in the starting rotation. But I wanted to be better. 
And so uh, my mom knew I wanted to be better. So she had this idea. She said, Rich, why don't you, why don't you come with me? Like my mom every day would go for walks. She would walk for miles and miles on our back country road. She'd just be gone for like an hour. She said, Rich, come with me, bring your basketball and just dribble the entire way. I'm like, dribble for miles? Like, Mom, I don't want to, that's boring. That's basic, right? Dribble? Like, I want to shoot. I, I want to I be the guy that scores. I want to see the, my, my number, you know, up on the li- and lights or be my name called in the PA system. I, I want to score points or steal the ball on defense. She's like, hey, this is what I got. <laughs> come and dribble the whole way while I walk. And I never knew what a sacrifice that was for her. Because, you know, do you know why she walked? Probably the reason some of you go for a walk is not just to get, you know, fit. For peace and quiet, for crying out loud, right? I got to get away from everything for a while, like for an hour or so. And then, then here I am, for miles. Like, man, what a sacrifice my mom made so I could learn to be a better ball handler. But it worked. Like, I was, I was like Chinese, like, water drip torture for her for miles. Ding, 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 ding. But it worked. When, when I got into the season, I was like one of the best ball handlers on the team. All because I invested myself in something that I knew was important, but decided to make it vital. And that's where I think a lot of us are as, as, as Christians. If you're a Christian this morning, what we believe about prayer. Like, let, let, me, let me ask you this. How many of you believe that prayer is important? Okay, that's like nearly every hand, like a room full, like 99.9% of of us just said, yeah, we believe that prayer is important. So let me ask you the the, the follow-up question. How many of you wish your prayer life was more consistent and more powerful? Right, yeah, all the hands are going up again, right? So what we just demonstrated is the difference between important and vital. Important and vital. Like we, we believe prayer is important, but it's like dribbling. I, I, don't, I don't want you to learn how to dribble. I want to do the fun, important stuff, right? And prayer, prayer is important, but it, it's not really vital. Uh, and and I, I want to change our mindset on that. Let me, let me put it this way. If your prayer time is your drive time to work or back, then prayer to you is important, but it's not vital. If, if your prayer time is just before meals or just a few minutes before you go to bed, hey, prayer for you is important, but it's not vital. And maybe your prayer time is just like a memorized prayer that you read or you memorize, just recite it every day. Okay, that's okay. Prayer for you is important, but it's not yet become vital for you. And here's why we're going to talk about this for four weeks. Because if we, if, if you want to walk in spiritual power, prayer must become a priority. It must become vital for you. And to help you do this, we're going to walk through these four weeks. It's not going to be like a a normal message series like you would expect to hear on prayer. Like some of you are like, oh, four weeks on prayer. I've got one week on and three weeks off. This is cool, right, of church, right? No, we're not going to do a normal message series on prayer. We're not going to dissect the Lord's Prayer, right? We're not, we're not going to, hey, break it down word for word, you know. That's okay to do that. That's fine. Um, we're, we're not, not going to talk about how to pray. Like, we'll find a place that's comfortable for you, you know, so you can be comfortable when you're praying. I don't know when prayer ever was supposed to be comfortable, but that's okay. Find a place, that recliner, that, that seat on your deck, wherever. Find a place that's comfortable and choose a time where in your, you're, you're like in the green part of your day when you have high energy and, and you can really get with God. We're not going to do that. That's, that's how to pray. Those things are good. hope you do those things. We're going we're gonna to hone in on why to pray. Because until you understand why to pray, prayer will always just be important but never vital. It won't be your priority. It'll be just dribbling for you. 
So, so we're, we're going to zone in um, on why to pray. I want you to understand the ferocity of prayer and the fire of prayer. I want you to have a, a relationship with God that, that pours out of your prayer time. And it's not just about you. I want you to know that your life depends on prayer, but so does your spouse's and your kids and your friends and your neighbor's. I want you to understand why to pray, because that will help you take the leap from, hey, prayer is important to, man, I can't live without it. So until you realize the absolute necessity of prayer, you want to invest yourself in it. So when it comes to the gospel, like you living a fierce relationship with God and passionate about sharing Jesus with other people, that's the gospel. Until you, um, when it comes to the gospel, we want you to step into people's lives sharing the good news of Jesus, uh, unafraid, fearlessly. But it will only be half-baked in you until you make prayer a necessity in your life and you really learn prayer. So we're going to spend these four weeks teaching you how essential prayer is for you. We're going to talk about things like clarifying your life. Like, who doesn't want clarity in your life? Where to go to school? What do I do next? What job do I want? Who do I marry? Who am I supposed to date? I mean, we, we're, we're asking for clarity every day in our lives. Prayer provides that for you. So we'll talk about clarifying your life. We're going to talk about learning to hate your sin. Not just recognize it, not just confess it, but to hate it. I mean, I'm talking about going all out on the sin of your life and calling it what it is and say, God, I want this out of me and battling against your sin. That prayer does that for you. We're talking about hating your sin. We're also going to talk about getting in the fight for others. I mean, you're, again, you're, your kids, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, they need you battling for them. They need you fighting for them in prayer. To pray like you, you never have before. So we're, we're, we're going to get into all those things. And we're talking about going beyond, like, God is good and God is great. Let us thank Him for our food, right? We're talking about going beyond, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul. We're even talking about going beyond our Father who art in heaven. We're going beyond those things into praying like God honestly calls us to pray. And all of this is about the gospel. So to start, I'm going to read a passage this morning. And it doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like prayer at all. It sounds like the gospel. But again, I'm telling you, you cannot separate prayer and the gospel. So let me give you the context of what I'm about to read to you. This, what, what, what Matthew, we're going to read from a guy named Matthew, what he writes comes from this 40-day window between Jesus' death and resurrection and when he ascended back to heaven. 40 days where Jesus kept showing up in people's lives, proving to them he was alive, saying, hey, here I am, and, and telling them, you know, see, I told you so. And, and so we're going to jump into that 40-day window. This is one of the times when he was not just showing up in their lives, but he was actually clearly communicating to them what he expected from them as his followers. So here's what, here's what Matthew wrote for us. And Matthew is, is a very reliable source because he was there. He's eyewitness, ear witness account. He's one of the disciples or one of the apostles who was actually there. So Matthew wrote this for us. And here's what he writes about it. He writes... Then the 11 disciples, well, wait, wait a minute. I thought there were 12. This is after Judas betrayed Jesus and took his own life. So they're back down to 11, all right? That they filled in with another one later. But here's the 11. So the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, 
But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, we just read three verses. We're going to end up reading five. But those first three, especially that last one we just read, that is the keynote verse for today. That is the one we're going to, we're going to zoom into that one in a moment. Uh, but let me read the last two verses so you know what Jesus said after that. And some of you have heard this many times. But he kept talking and he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we like those last two verses, right? Because that's where the action is. That's, that's the secret sauce of, of this whole passage. That, that's like, hey, the, the great commission, we call it. It's the go of the gospel. Um, I was thinking maybe we should call it, the, is that the commission, the great go mission? Does that sound pretty cool? I think we kind of coined that at the early service. We'll just coin it here as a Grace Collective thing. You can borrow it. That's okay. It's free. Um, the, the great go mission, because like, go make disciples. Go tell people about me. Go. Go make people who, who are more followers of me, which, by the way, is what a disciple is, right? A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, but not like we follow people. How many of you follow people today? Not, not in a creepy way, like, you know, that you know, that would be bad, right? No, don't confess to that. How many of you follow people? Social media, right? You follow. Liars? Come on. How many of you follow people? Yeah, all the hands. Yeah, okay. I don't want to lie in church. You shouldn't lie anywhere, but especially in church. Yeah, we all follow people, right? You, you follow people. You just go on social media. You can follow anybody you want. Even people don't, you don't even know. You know, people you respect, people you admire, people you want to watch them because they do goofy things, like they risk their lives doing stupid stuff. You follow people because they entertain you or they teach you, whatever reason. You follow people all the time. You even follow people you don't like if you want to. And you can unfollow them anytime you want to by clicking on it. This is easy, right? But that's not the follow Jesus is talking about. When Jesus says, come follow me, he's saying, hey, no, come invest yourself in me. Come learn about me. Come discover who I am. I kick my tires. Take me out for a test drive. Let me show you what I can do in your life. Man, let's go. And, and Jesus wants you to, to follow him, to become like him, so you can tell other people about him. That's what a disciple is. And that's what these last two verses were about. Hey, go make disciples. Hey, follow me and go make more followers of me. And that's, we, we all, that's what we've heard about. That's what's always preached and taught. Like, that's the part of Matthew 28 that is quoted all the time. Go make disciples. But listen, we're going to focus on those first three verses. Because here's why. If you want to live out those last two verses of the great go mission, you got to live in the first three verses before you get there. So let's take those first three verses, and we're going to just take them individually, break them down one at a time, and it teaches more about the gospel and about prayer. So here we go. Verse 16, I'll read it again for us. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So clearly, this is an arranged meeting, right? Listen, some, something important was going down. Jesus wanted to, to, to have that time with them. So after the resurrection, to put this in perspective, after the resurrection, there were lots of times Jesus just kind of showed up wherever they were. Like, boom, I'm here. Like, and they're like, oh, oh my gosh, you scared us, right? That's why I always started with shalom or peace be with you. He just popped in wherever they were. And there were times he, he, he did that. There were times he just like behind locked doors and there was Jesus in their midst and he just kind of in and out of places. But this time it was different. This is, this is planned. Go to the mountain where I told you to go. I'm going to meet there. This is, this is like you. Like if you, 
wherever you work, if you see your boss every day, or you interact with your boss, maybe, maybe it's just, you know, through video, or maybe it's in person, you see your boss every day, you talk to your boss every day, and then one day your boss comes to you and says, hey, next Tuesday, I want to meet with you at 10 o'clock in my office. You're like, oh, that feels different, right? Like something's going down. Or, or um, maybe, maybe you have a friend. How many of you have a friend that you call like every day? Anybody? Okay, some of you need to get more friends, apparently. Um, uh, how many of you have friends or a friend that you, you know, connect with like social media every two minutes? Okay, that's better. Okay, so, so, so you do that regularly with your friend, but what if your friend comes to you one day and says, hey, um, can I meet you next Wednesday at Starbucks just for an hour or two? Oh, that feels different, doesn't it? Like something's going, something's going down. So when Jesus prearranged this meeting, like something's going, something's going down. Like something was going to happen. Jesus had a meeting. Like this day on this mountain, we're going to meet. And it wasn't like, hey, just, just drive five or ten minutes up the road to Starbucks. Because like, that's what we can do. Anywhere you are, there's a Starbucks within five or ten minutes from you. This was a mountain in Galilee. Now, we don't know which mountain it was. The scripture doesn't tell us that. But no matter what mountain it was in Galilee... That was from Jerusalem, that was a 50 to 70 mile walk, depending on the mountain. You're talking a four to five day hike to get there. And we don't know if they all left Jerusalem together or maybe somewhere different places and they gathered up on the road, but they, they're going. And don't you imagine, can, can you picture this? They're walking to the mountain where Jesus told them to go and they're probably talking about the meeting, right? Like, what do you think Jesus is going to say? Again, it's like you at work. If, if, you're, if your boss says, hey, get your team together. Hey, Janice, get your team together. I'm going to meet y'all um, next Tuesday. And then don't you know your team's talking, right? Like, oh, our boss, wants, what, what's she, what she going to talk about? Why does she want to see our team? Something, something important is going to happen. Or how many of you have ever been part of a family meeting after dinner, right? As, as, as kids, you're like, oh, my gosh, like to your sister, what'd you do? <laughs> right? Or maybe you're the parent and like, hey, we need to talk about a few things. Having a family meeting, your kids can be like shaky. Something big was going on, something important. The, I, I picture these guys walking along the road towards this mountain up in Galilee. And they're like, hey, I, I like having Jesus back and all. And I don't even mind it when he just poofs into where we are and scares us. But this, this feels really, really serious. And it was. Listen to this. Here's what happened. Verse 17. When they saw him, they get to the mountain. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And that, that phrase right there, that whole scene, tells you so much about Jesus. Some of them are like, hey, Jesus, you, you're amazing. We saw you crucified. We saw you fully dead. We saw you buried. But then we saw you alive again. And you're awesome. Like, if, if you tell us, you know, you told us how it was going to happen and you did it, we're with you. And they worship him. They bow down before him. But then these other part of this, the apostles, like some of them doubted. And, and don't you wonder what Jesus thought about that? Don't you wonder what was going through his mind? Like, guys, come on. You're, you're doubting me? Really? Don't you remember what we did together? Don't you remember what we've been through? Guys, I, I gave you a front row seat to all the miracles. You remember those, right? I gave you backstage passes to all my teaching. You come to me and say, Jesus, we don't understand what you just said. And I told you what I meant. You, you had it all. And now you're going to come up to the mountain and doubt me? Guys, come on. 
Do you remember what, what happened on the, on the, the lake that night when, when you all were rowing against the wind and the waves? I walked out on top of the water. You're like, oh, it's a ghost. I, you know, I, I said, no, it's not it's just me. Come on, Peter, you, you jumped out of the boat and you walked with me on the water. Remember that, guys? Remember the other time in the boat? Guys, we were out in the boat and it was daytime. There was a big storm came up and I was sleeping in the bag and you're all in the front crying because you're so scared and you're like, Jesus, Jesus, wake up. The storm's going to kill us. Do you remember what I did? And they're like, yeah, you, you spoke to the storm and the wind and the waves. Right, what did I tell the wind and the waves? You said for the wind and the waves to stop it. And what did the wind and waves do? They stopped. Yeah, do you remember that? And, and guys, what about all the times you saw me give sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf and the lame? I healed them. They, they jumped up and danced and ran and walked and leapt for joy. And remember, you were with me when I fed like 10,000 people with one little dude's Lunchable. Come on, you, you remember what I've been doing. Have you forgotten Lazarus? Have you forgotten uh, the, the widow's son or, or, or Jairus' daughter? They were dead and I raised them back to life. Guys, why would you doubt me now? Jesus, don't you wonder why, what Jesus was thinking? Like, if I was Jesus, I would have been like, really? <laughs> After everything you've been a part of with me, you're fired. I'm going to get a new team when I go back to town. You're pathetic. But Jesus didn't do that. Listen to what he did and said, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them. Like Jesus, he didn't walk away from them. He walked to them. That's worth the price of admission right there. Like when Jesus had every right to slam them, to condemn them, to throw up his arms in disgust and walk away, he didn't. And it Begs the question, why not? Like, why didn't he? Or better yet, why doesn't he? Because that's, that's just, can we just be honest? Listen, don't tell anybody else this. I'm um, just between you and me. I doubt him sometimes, right? And so do you. And Jesus, I can imagine Jesus saying to us, like, but I wrote it all down for you. You've got the whole book, Old and New Testament. You know, I've, everything's there in black and white and red. You've got it. What, what do you mean you're doubting me? But he doesn't walk away from us. He doesn't walk away from you. Do you know why? Because he loves you. And he believes in you. He knows what he wants from you. But he also has something for you. He has something for you. Just like he did for them on the mountain. And here's what it was. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And don't miss this. That was not Jesus just making some proclamation. That was Jesus issuing an invitation. Like before Jesus told them what he wanted from them, that's the last two verses, go make disciples, the great go mission. Before, before he told them what he wanted from them, he told them what he had for them. He said, all authority is mine and what's mine is yours. Jesus gave them exactly what they needed. He gave them access to his power. Look at his power. He said, like, all authority, not some of it, all of it, in heaven and on earth. How many of you know that when a king has authority, it's, it's a big deal, right? It's power. But it's only in his one little tiny kingdom. But when Jesus says, I have all authority, I'm, I'm king of all kings. I have it over everyone, like everyone 
everywhere, every day. I have all authority everywhere over everything. It's mine, and I'm giving it to you. He gave himself access to them. He made his power available to them. And here's why this is so important. Listen, when you pray, here we go from gospel to prayer. When you pray, when you take advantage of that access with Jesus, you are connecting to the one who has power over everything, which means he's stronger than cancer. He's, he's stronger than fear. He's way bigger than worry. He eats anxiety for breakfast. When you pray, you connect to the most powerful force and source in the world. Force meaning power. Source meaning I give you power. You're connecting to the most powerful force and source in the world when you pray. And here's why you need that. I'm about to read something to you that's going to make some of you cringe. It's going to make some of you back away. It's going to make some of you feel uneasy. Now, listen, this, this, this comes from a man named Paul, and Paul was not crazy. You may tempt, be tempted to think he's crazy when you hear what I'm about to read. He was not crazy. In fact, he was one of the most learned and respected men of his entire era. Rulers around the world, the most, the most important, influential, powerful rulers in the world, knew Paul by name and respected him. Even if they didn't agree with him, they respected him. Here's what Paul wrote. He's not crazy. Here's what he wrote. He wrote, for our struggle, all of us as followers of Jesus, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, it's not against the things that you can see. There's something at work in this world. It's not, it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. Those are not people he's talking about. He's talking about spiritual things here. He's not talking about presidents and kings and monarchs. That was bad enough. He's talking about something different. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And some of you just dropped off the radar, didn't you? Like, oh man, this, this dude, he's, he's going all paranormal on us. L listen, you binge stranger things. Give God a chance, right? This is real stuff. I'm just telling you what God says. There is something at work in this world that you cannot see and you cannot touch. There's something at work in this world that is coming against you. We're not talking about the zombies and stupid stuff of Hollywood. These are real powers really at work in a real world. And their goal, they have one goal, to keep you from Jesus. Because Jesus wants to rescue you and save you and they want to destroy you. By the way, you ever look at the word destroy? If you change the R and the O, it becomes destory. They want to rewrite your story. They want to unstory your life. Then they'll stop at nothing to get to you. But not just you. They want your kids. And they want your family. They want your spouse. They want your friends. They want your neighbors. They want this church. These, these are very real spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. They want to destroy us. This is why your struggle, our struggle, is against them because they're coming at you. The word struggle there, by the way, in Greek is the word pale. It just means, it means wrestle, it means to fight. There's something fighting against you, whether you recognize it or not, or join the fight or not. They're fighting against you. And if you just throw up your hands and say, I don't believe it, I don't care about it, you're dead already. 
They are fighting against you, whether you choose to fight against them or not. They're fighting against this church and the church, against your family, against your spouse, against your kids. Against your, They're fighting against everything God is doing in this world. And they are clever, and they are committed, and they're way more powerful than you and me. Paul tells us that. That's what he's talking about. But then Paul tells us how to defend ourselves against them. And some of you know this from Ephesians 6, right? Paul talks about the armor of God. You know, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the boots of readiness of the gospel. He says, hey, you pick up, you, you anilabet, you pick up and put on the, the full armor of God, and then you can stand against the enemy. Like, that's your defense against the enemy. And you, gotta, you better suit up because he's coming whether you like it or not. And that's what he's talking about. But then he gives us an offensive weapon. Listen to this. After, after telling us about how to put on the armor, he says in verse 18, he says, and pray. Here, here's your weapon. And pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, with, with what in mind? With the fact that you, the enemy is coming against you. The spiritual forces are against you, fighting against you. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Then he says, pray also for me. That whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul saying, hey, church, take advantage of the access God's given you because you have to. You need this. It's not just important. It's vital. Some of you may know this, but when Paul wrote this, he was a prisoner. He was literally in chains. He was chained to a Roman soldier all day long. How about that for no privacy, right? He's chained to this Roman, and they took shifts. They took turns. Okay, unclasp this guy, put another one on him. He's chained to him, a soldier all the time. And, and, and while he's chained, he's writing to the church, and he's saying, hey, church, we're in a fight. We're in a, a fight that's against something bigger and badder than we are. It's even bigger and badder than this soldier, bigger and badder than the empire of Rome. This is something we, we cannot beat. We're in a fight against a supernatural enemy, and we must join the fight. Listen, God's made himself accessible to you, the one who has all authority, all power over everything, including the enemy, has made himself available to you because he knows that the enemy is already fighting against you. And you need God's power. God, God has made himself available. God is up to something amazing in this world. He truly is saving and changing lives like forever. That's the good news. And he's telling you that he wants to involve you as his follower in, in doing that. So he's inviting you into the fight. And this is where prayer and the gospel come together. Listen, he's asking you to join the fight because if you want to develop a fierce love for God and a fierce love for people and a passion for them to know Jesus, like the gospel, then you have to pray. You have to connect to the one who has all power. You come to God and you say, God, what do you want from me? And that's an easy answer. Go make disciples. Okay, God, what do you have for me? That's an easy answer. I have my power for you. But if your prayer time is like when you're driving to work and distracted and you're just telling your laundry list for the day, you're not getting power to make disciples. You're getting some feel-good while you drive. Important versus vital. He knows there's an enemy against you that will stop at nothing to stop you. That's what Jesus was telling him up on the mountain that day where he met them. Hey, hey what I want from you, go. 
Go, go, go commission, go make disciples. But here's my power for you because you absolutely need it. It's vital. Now, here's what all this means for us. Our goal, our goal is to be the best followers of Jesus that we can be, to spread the gospel, right? To spread the gospel to those who need to hear it, everyone, everywhere, every day. That's God's command. So that's our goal. But we're in a fight. The enemy does not want you, me, or us, Grace Collective, to succeed in this. Like, we have to. We have to join the fight. When you signed up to follow Jesus, like it or not, you signed up to be in the fight. Jesus, Jesus tells you this. You're in a battle against something you cannot beat without him. This is why you must pray, connecting to the one who is the authority over everything, even the enemy. Now, what I hope is that this begins to shift the way you pray. It's not wrong to ask God for stuff, right? He knows what you need. He likes to hear it from you. But try this instead. Instead of telling God what you want, ask him what he wants from you. That's a whole different prayer, right? Praying is not giving God uh, a to-do list. Praying is asking God to give you your to-do list from him and then filling you with the power to do it. In prayer, you're going to learn what God wants from you. You discover what he has for you. So Grace Collective, what, what does God want from us? To make disciples. What does he have for us? His power. It's available when we begin to pray. So I'm inviting you, as a pastor of this church, I'm inviting you to begin joining the fight. We need you praying. We have a prayer team, but listen, five or six people who show up consistently and powerfully is great, but we need more. They would love to have a whole bunch more. We need you praying for God's will to be done. Like, like Kylie prayed earlier, God, we, this has got to be your church. What do you want us to do? What do you want from us and what do you have for us? Now, if you need us to fight for you, maybe you're in a season of life right now where you're like, hey, I want to join the fight, but right now my battle is so strong just with me, between me and my stuff, then let us fight for you. Let us fight for you. All you have to do is like, go on that QR code in the back of the chair in front of you and go where it says prayer requests and let us know. And our prayer team gets those and they will pray fervently for you. Now, if you're, if you're like, you're old school and you're like, hey, I don't, I don't want to do that. I just want to write it on a prayer card. We got those too. They're out there in the fireplace. Just grab one of those, fill it out, drop it in the box. Our prayer team will collect those and start praying for whatever you put before them. Praises and prayers. But this one thing I know, we will never become the church God is calling us to become until we learn how to pray. Not that prayer is important, but that prayer is absolutely vital. So let me practice that right now. Let me pray for us. So Jesus, we maybe never thought about this much, but there's a battle going on against each one of us and us collectively. An enemy we cannot see, an enemy we cannot beat, but you've invited us into your power and your authority. And Lord, if we've, if we've never tapped into that, I pray that we would find out how to pray in the Spirit, to let you lead our prayer time, to let you engage with us and us engage with you. Jesus, we can start as simply as, God, I don't know what to pray, and we just let you speak into us, and that's okay. But Lord, grow us and build us. Become prayer warriors because we're battling, and we need your power to do it. So Lord, here we are. Would you begin this work in us even 
Jesus today. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you found something practical to use in your life today. At Grace Collective, our mission is to connect people to Jesus. Everyone, everywhere, every day. You can visit gracecollectivechurch.com to learn more about our church and how you can get involved.